Well, this morning, what I want to attempt to do, many of you are seeing all the stuff put here on stage. What I want to do is uh, explain to you something that's in scripture that I believe a lot of people never really get their minds around. And it's really the key to our salvation. And not only that, the key to understanding what God is up to in our lives. And so this morning, uh, I'm going to need a model this morning. I know many of you probably think you are, but uh, I'll choose that this morning. Uh, Wes Cogdell, come on up here, buddy. Come on. Up. I haven't prepped him for anything on this. Come on up here. He, he's used to being in front of people. I figured this would not be a problem for him. Plus, he'll fit the suit I'm getting ready to uh, put on him. So anyway, but, but there's so many times in our lives that we're just not sure really what is really going on. So the best way to understand that is to understand who we were before we came to Christ. And so Wes, come on over here, and um, I've got some beautiful wardrobe here for you. Um, if you will, just slip that on. Yeah, we'll do it that way. Okay. You're bigger than I thought you were. Okay, okay, come on over here. Um, you look pretty, I tell you, very nice. Okay. You like it? Okay, okay, all right. Now, let me explain to you that this is where we were before we came to Christ. In Ephesians chapter two, and this is what I wanna to try to do. I wanna to try to explain to you where we've been so far in our study and where I want us to go a little bit further this morning. So in Ephesians chapter two, here's your condition, Wes, okay? In, in your coat there. You are dead in your trespasses and sin. That's you, okay? There's nothing you can do about it. You, this is just you. Okay, all right. Now, it says, in which you once walked according to this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also once conducted yourselves in the lust of the flesh. Basically, what this is saying is, before we came to Christ, we were swayed, we lived for these things. We lived for the world, we lived for the enemy, and we live to meet the needs or what we thought were the needs of our flesh and the lust of our flesh. And basically, we made a mess out of our lives. Now, how many of you can identify with that? Okay, and, and that's where we were. And that's the reason this code is so beautifully uh, done here. It is a mess and it describes West. Okay, but anyway. <laughs> now, the idea came even more. It, it said, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Basically, what this means is before we came to Christ, we took this shambled life and we try to look for meaning in life. And everywhere we turned, apart from Christ, came up empty. It, it, there was never any solution. It may have worked for a while, but it still left us feeling like this. Okay, are you with me so far? This is what the Bible says about where we were. So we tried everything. We continued to try. And we're by nature children of wrath. That means we were not in good standing with God. There was nothing about this life that made us uh, before God in a right way. So we were not right before God in this condition. And the Bible literally says we were dead and there was nothing we could do about it. Okay? So that's where we were. But then we have this phrase that we love around here, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, nothing we could do about it, hopeless in this situation. He made us alive together with Christ and by grace, you've been saved. Now, here's what many people try to do. Many people mistakenly think 
that they are in the process of helping God in this matter. But how did we describe it? Dead, right? Can a dead person do anything for themselves? No, no. It has to be something that's done for them. And the Bible says he took us from death to life. But let me show you what many people try to do, especially many professing Christians, many religious people, okay? So here's what they do. They try to put this on top. There you go. Now, this is going to look really good, Wes. Okay, all right. So it's hot? Yes, yeah, lights. Okay, but anyway, so... so <laughs> So, so what we do is, is, I mean, has anything really changed here? Look, even what we try to put on, you see, it's the same mess. So what we do is we try to suit up a little bit better. We try to use religion. We might go get dunked in the pool. We, we, good works. I mean, he looks a little bit better, doesn't he? Covered a little bit, right? And, and you know what's sad is some of you walked in here just like this. Some of you thought, you know something? I want to be pleasing to God. And so I'm going to go to church. I'm going to do what I think is the right thing to do. And I'm, I'm going to do better. By the way, this is a Brooks Brothers coat. Did you know that? I got it for yeah, $4.99 at Goodwill. And it, yeah, yeah, it looks really, it away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really classy, isn't it? I mean, it looks good. I mean, but let's face it. This is how many of us came in here this morning. Now, Let's carry this a step further. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For he, God, made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become, listen to this, the righteousness of God in him. What Wes has tried to do with this coat is he's tried to bring his own righteousness into the equation. He's tried to suit it up in such a way that it covers what he once was, but even the, the covering he put is damaged. I mean, when you look on the inside, it's the same. Yeah, take that over here. We need to show them one more time. I was trying to look good. Okay, all right. Yeah, you see, yeah, okay. It's still the same thing. Even the, what we cover, what we try to cover with. And so, so we begin. So Jesus made it possible for us to be reconciled to God by making us righteous. And it's the only way we can stand before God is in his righteousness. This will never cut it. This won't get it. Okay? But How? Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, what? You will be saved. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. It does not say attempts to get there in righteousness. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. It's not his righteousness, okay? Not his, okay? So, for with the heart, one believes into righteousness and with the mouth, confession is made into salvation. But there's another step to this. Acts 3.19 says, repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Now, all these markings and all this damage here, this is the sin that has made him not acceptable to God. It doesn't matter how you try to cover it up, still sin. Still is the same thing. So here's what we're saying in these last verses. You laid your life before God. You believed in who he says he was. You received by faith of salvation. You surrendered your life to him. And there's this idea of repentance in which you're basically saying, God, anything that's not pleasing to you, I wanna turn that to you. So I wanna turn from my sin, turn to you, turn to your ways, okay? So we're basically abandoning this as a solution. Okay, just won't get it. Just won't get it. 
So what does it look like? The Bible says in Romans 5, 1, therefore having been justified, that means made right before God. How? By faith. We have peace with, our Lord, with God. How? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. We've got one more thing we'd like for you to put on, if you will. So basically, now you got to put, uh, you got to hold your, turn towards me. Hold your arms out towards oh, me. There you okay, go. there you go. I'll try to make it as simple as possible. Anyway, is it warm yet? Oh, we're getting there. Okay, all right, we're getting there. Okay, all right. Now, what we have here is what God offers through Jesus Christ. This, this represents, this represents his righteousness. This is the only thing that is acceptable before holy God. The only thing. The, the first coat didn't get it. And I think most of us get that that didn't get it. We were dead in our sins. Nothing we could do about it. We basically knew we were sinners. But then we put on the blue coat and we said, you know something, maybe I can suit it up just right where I can make myself acceptable before God. Well, that's a fallacy because it says we are dead. There's nothing we can do about it. Still stained. The only covering that would work is his righteousness. And that's what this means. That's what this coat means. Okay, all right. Let's give Wes a round of applause this morning. We'll get you out of this. We will. Hang that up on that hanger right there and the other one on that one, okay? And don't mess everything up, okay? All right. All right. You've been a good guy. He was not prepped for the job this morning, but I thought he did a good job. Yeah, do that right now. That's gonna be important. Okay, now, Romans 8, 1. Listen to what it says. There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now, I want you to understand these three coats, okay? So, there's now no condemnation. He's wrapped himself in the righteousness of Christ, right? But what was still under there? This was still under there, right? Okay, but he's wrapped in this. Now, now let me say this. Before we came to Christ, this is what we were and it was not acceptable. We came to Christ on his terms. This is what is acceptable. We literally wrapped ourselves in his righteousness. But under that was what? This nature. Don't you wish when you got this, this stuff went away completely? And, and, and let me just say this. When God sees, listen, let's, let's back up. When God looked at Jesus on the cross, you know what he saw? Saw this right here. But that sin, our sin, this right here was placed on him on the cross. Okay? Now, when God sees us, you know what he sees? He sees this covering. This is the righteousness of Christ. The perfect life, the perfect sacrifice. And it's placed over. So, so let's go a little bit further. If it says, now there's no condemnation. Now, what does condemnation feel like? Here's what it feels like. It feels like sin. It feels like the guilt from the sin. It feels like the shame from the sin. It, it feels like insecurities. It feels like fear. That's all the things that come with this feeling of condemnation. Well, the Bible says, listen, listen, this is important. Now that we're here and we're wrapped in his righteousness and received his salvation, there should be no more condemnation. But let me ask you a question. How many of you know you're wrapped in this salvation and his righteousness, but at times... You feel guilt, you feel shame, you feel those insecurities stir at times, you feel fear. 
there's a little bit of responsibility we have in the equation too. Because what he did by giving us this, the Bible says we are dead, but now we're what? We're alive. We're alive to what he wants to do with us, right? That's what he's attempting to do. So if we're feeling condemnation, we're not living in the reality that's been provided for us, are we? Is that true? We're not living in that reality. So he says this. There's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. This is a picture of being in Christ Jesus. We have the road, okay? Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to what? The spirit. The spirit will always lead us to the reality in which God sees us. He sees us as righteous, okay? It is God's righteousness through Jesus Christ that's provided. So anytime we're living apart from walking in the spirit, we're living in contradiction to what was provided for us and we can still feel the residual effects before our salvation. And there's many of you sitting in this room and you know exactly what I'm talking about because you know you've received this, but you feel guilt and you feel all those things. But he says, for that to be a reality, what? We gotta walk in the spirit. Acts 3.19, repent and be converted. Why? That your sins may be blotted out. Let me tell you about that verse in three different aspects, which really talks about the aspects of our salvation. There's three aspects. There's a past reality to our salvation, okay? There's that past reality. And that is that idea that we're declared righteous, okay? How do you get declared righteous? It's what Wes was dressed in at at, uh, that last moment. This was underneath, that was on top. And so God sees us in our declared righteousness. He said, I declare you righteous. Is that because we are righteous? No, it's because of his righteousness. Okay, so that's, that's my past. That's what he did. He brought that for us. Then there's the idea of future reality. I wanna skip the future. That's fully righteous. That's really gonna be a time in our lives where we will have this on and nothing underneath. Nothing underneath. This will not be a reality anymore. That's the future reality of our salvation. How many of you understand what I'm talking about? Raise your hand. I need to make sure you're with me, okay? So, so this When we're glorified, called glorification in scripture, when we're standing before him, all of a sudden the reality of Christ is right before us. Everything he has for us is right there. This is it. This is the fullness of our salvation and it is still yet to come. So what's going on in the middle? What's going on right now? What is God up to? It is the whole idea of becoming righteous. Some places in scripture says becoming holy. Now we didn't, we're, we're not becoming righteous to gain salvation. What did we find out about that? Nothing we could do about it. We were dead, right? But now what he desires for us is for us to live in the reality that he has for us, which is what? Righteousness, holiness. Are you with me so far? So what's your condition? That's, that's there. We tried to suit it up. Didn't work, did it? Only provisions right here. So what are we trying to do in the present? God wants to bring sanctification through transformation. The sanctification process is us be walking away from this, walking in the flesh, away from that, walking in the spirit, living in the reality of what he's given us. Okay? 
which is always his best. Always his best. All right, so how do you do this? Well, Paul uses the language over and over again in scripture about this idea of putting off and putting on. And the process between the two is what he calls the renewing of the mind. So what I'm going to do, what I'm trying to do, I'm, this is still, is there still a flesh nature to you sitting right there where you are? Yeah, it's still there, right? It raises its ugly head, doesn't it? You still acted wrong this past week. Some maybe had a bad attitude. Uh-oh, yeah, that's right. I mean, there's a lot going on over here because this, this revealed itself at times, okay? But the Bible says what? For those to live in the reality of that, what do we have to do with this? We have to crucify it. We have to put it to death. Have you ever thought of this? We have to do with it what it once was and what it wasn't capable of doing. It was dead, now we need to put it to death. We crucify it, okay? So what does that even look like? What's this process look like? It's the whole idea of transformation. So look on your outline. Devoted, resolution to transformation. Today we're looking at part three, enraptured by his word. The series introduction, here we go. Resolution is defined as a former expression of intention or the act of determining action. While transformation is defined as the state or process of being transformed, creating a change in nature and character. Now let me tell you something. What we're describing here this morning, this is not a resolution. You understand that, right? This is transformation. This is the type of change that God desires in our lives. But this, as we do at the beginning of all these new years, what do we do? We're gonna make a resolution to do this. We're gonna make a resolution to do that. And there's nothing in and of itself wrong with that. The problem is I'm convinced as I'm getting ready to say, God wants to do a deeper work. There's something deeper than here. So, According to God's word, the work of the Holy Spirit is best described as transformation, not resolution. It is also important to understand that biblical transformation is devoted to a relationship with God provided by Jesus. So this whole relationship, the cloaking of his righteousness, repentance, believing who he is, having a faith in that, all of a sudden, this is our new reality. This is what he wants. And it's all through this relationship. Here's the introduction for the believer in Christ, transformation cannot happen apart from being enraptured by God's word. It means we're delighted in it. It literally means we come to the understanding that this is our hope. This is our hope. So what does it look like to put off, renew our mind and put on? Let me recap a little bit from last week. Where's the starting point? It begins with that passage in 2 Timothy, but here's the recap. We need doctrine to know what to believe. How many of you agree with that? We need a doctrine to understand who we were before we were in Christ. We need a doctrine to understand that our own righteousness would not get it. We need a good doctrine to understand that only thing that would make us right before God is Christ's righteousness. And he wraps us in that. So that's important. Next, we need reproof or rebuke to discern what not to believe. We needed the word of God to demonstrate to us that our righteousness will never get it. Our religion will never get it. Good outweighing the bad never gets it. We're still over here if that's how we're operating. 
but the reality is what he provides. We need correction to learn what not to do. We need instruction to understand what should be done. And this is the whole process of putting on, renewing your mind and putting on. That's the language of scripture. So what do we have to do to get to that point where the scripture is doing that in our lives? Well, we we gotta realize certain things about scripture. So look on your outline. His word provides insight for transformation. Number one, revelation. We gotta understand what revelation is. It is literally God revealing himself to creation. God revealing himself. How did he do it? What, what's, what's, the, what's the ways in which he did that? Well, there's something called general revelation, which is through nature and conscience. Literally, Psalm 19.1 says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. If you go to Romans chapter one, write this down. Romans chapter one, 18 through 22. It basically says that man has no excuse not to know that there's a God because we can look around and come to the conclusion that there is a God. The Bible even goes as far as to say, only a fool would say there's no God. It's very clear. There's just, it's obvious there is a God. That's general revelation. From general revelation, we come to something called specific revelation. So, So general revelation says, basically speaks in creation, there is a God. Specific revelation basically says, we can know that God. We can hear directly from that God. The main way that we hear directly from that God is how? Through his word, right? Mainly through his word. So it's through prayer and God's word. Psalms 119, listen to these verses. Verse nine says this, how can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed to the word? Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. Open my eyes that I may see your wondrous things from your word. I have declared my ways and you answered me. Teach me your word. I have chosen the way of truth. Your judgments I have laid before me. I have more understanding than all my teachers for your testimonies are my meditation. That's any college class you sit in. I'm just kidding. Okay, let me move on. I have more understanding than my teachers, you know. Never mind. All right. Okay. Um, I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Y'all, the only way we're going to come to the realization of what God has done on our behalf, the only way we're going to get this is through his word. Through his word. And it's the only way that's going to make us acceptable to God. Scripture and prayer provides insight for transformation. We have to have revelation. It's God revealing himself to us. And then there's interpretation. Determining the intended meaning of God's word. Uh, You know, it's got to be more than us just reading God's word. There's the whole idea of interpretation. That brings about the understanding of God's word. We need to come to an understanding of God's word. Now, some of you may say, you know something? I pick up the Bible all the time and there's just times I, I just can't. I can't piece it all together. I'm having a hard time. Well, that means you need someone to come alongside of you. You need someone to disciple you. Where can that happen? Cherise talked about it just a moment ago. It can happen in a small group. Did you know right now we're attempting to do that in your life? We're attempting to bring interpretation of scripture to your life that it begins to be a little more, where you can understand it a little more clearly. That's my goal as a teacher is to show you this. 
1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13 says this, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because you received the word of God which you heard from us. You welcomed it, not as the word of men. You knew there was something different about this. You knew that, that it didn't follow the ways of men. It was the word of God. But it, as it is in truth, the word of God, and this is key, which also effectively works in you who what? Believe. Let me just ask a simple question this morning. Is there something effectively working in you? Is the Holy Spirit of God working in you? The third thing we need when it comes to transformation, not only revelation and interpretation, we need illumination. This is the Holy Spirit's work of bringing light to one's heart. It's me taking God's word, looking into it and walking away thinking that was just for me. There's sometimes I'll hear you say, and, and, and there's no greater honor for a teacher to hear this than to say, God used what you taught today to speak to my heart. That is illumination. That's illumination. That's the work of the teacher uh, preparing by way of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's the way of you coming in here, uh, just saying, I just need to hear a word from God this morning. And you come in here and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit puts his finger on something in your life. That is illumination. God wants much more for you than just general revelation where you walk out there and say, there is a God. But for you to know that God. And the way it happens is through illumination. Now, where does that come from? First of all, look on your outline. There's logos. It's literally the written word of God. It's the words of God. It's the idea of prayerfully reading God's word. And then there's something called rhema. It's the spoken word of God. The spoken word of God can come to you in many different ways. It can come to you through a teacher. It can come through you just getting an impression of what God's doing there and your, your quiet time and all of a sudden, it may not be an audible word, but for many of us who've heard the word of God, sometimes that's even louder than an audible word. We just feel that impression that God is laying on us. That's that rhema word. Where does it come from? Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes how? By hearing and hearing how? By the word of God. Prayerfully listening to God in prayer. I want you to turn to James chapter one. James chapter one. We're gonna try to really put it in a nutshell this morning. But as you turn, listen to this. Scripture or God's word means nothing to us personally unless we receive it or welcome it. We've gotta receive it. We've gotta welcome it. But then it must be seen in the context of our lives so that it can work effectively in us. For God's word to work effectively, effectively in us, there's this final step in the process. Think about it. Revelation, interpretation, illumination. And this is just as key, application. Application, acting on the word, determining the relevance of God's word and then actively responding. What could that look like? Well, look at the footnote there on your outline. Six questions concerning illumination and application. <clears throat> Excuse me. Is there a truth I should believe about God? What I just read is just another way that God's introducing me to a little bit more of who he is. And then there is, is there something I should trust God for? 
Is there a command I need to obey? Is there an attitude I need to change? Is there a motive I need to change? Is there a promise I can claim in my current situation? Is there someone I need to pray for? Is there something out there? And, and really that's the whole idea of God communion with, in communion with you. That's where the communication comes. So in James chapter one, I want you to look at verse 21. The Bible says, therefore lay aside. That phrase is in the heirs tense. It means therefore having put aside. It, it means that you've already made the decision to put aside this over here, okay? You're, you're, you're not looking to, to go there anymore. All filthiness, what are we laying aside? All filthiness and overflow of wickedness. How many of you agree that that's really at the seat of this many times? We can suit it up, but guess what's still in there? It's still a mess, isn't it? We may do better one time, it may appear to be good, but it's still there. Let's face it, it's still there. And so therefore lay aside all the filthiness and wickedness and overflow of wickedness and receive, that implies there's been something made available to you, okay? Receive with meekness. Think about that. The change of control. You're gonna receive it with meekness. I'm gonna hear that my ways are evil left in and of myself. That there's really, it doesn't matter how I suit it up, there's problems here, still have problems. And, and it's all there and it makes itself known to us. So, so basically what we're gonna do is we're gonna learn that there's something that we need to be teachable about. The problem is no one wants to be teachable anymore. I, I hear this all the time. Well, this is my truth. You know what many people are saying when they say this is my truth? They're closed off to anything else that may be out there. They're not teachable. They're not someone who's open to what God may have in store for them. And they just shut it all down. So we're received with meekness. What are we gonna receive? The implanted word. It's a word that takes root. It literally becomes a part of us, which is able to save your soul. It's not only when it says save your soul, it's not only that initial part of your salvation, it's also the part of the saving. I don't know about you, but when I gave my life to Jesus Christ, according to God's word, I was saved from hell and condemnation. I was. But did you know there's still a saving process going on in my life? And it's not for necessarily to save me from hell and condemnation. That's been decided because I'm cloaked in the righteousness of Christ. But there is a saving that is saving me from myself. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you at times need to be saved from yourself? We do, don't we? We can be a problem. And we know a bunch of problems around us, right? <laughs> and then he says this, but be doers of the word. This, when it says doers, this literally means it touches the mind, soul, and body so much that it causes a reaction. There's something that happens in us, that stirs us, and there's activity. It says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. It's that idea of passively hearing. Some of you this morning, the most dangerous thing you can do this morning is to hear what we said earlier and just let it go in one ear and out the other and be passive about what you've heard. 
There's some of you who realize, yeah, there's some things that are messed up about me. I have insecurities. I have fears. I, I'm, I feel like I'm in guilt and shame. I don't know how to get rid of that. Well, well, there's a lot of you that are just trying to suit over it and, and, and trying to do it on your own and trying to do a better job when there's something over there that offers you something much better that will actually save you. And so for some of you who are here this morning, to be a passive uh, here and, and still walk out of here with this, will be very costly to you. Not only in this life, but the life to come. You can't afford to be passive on that. It says, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. It really is the idea of miscalculation. It's not what you think you are. It's not what you think is the answer. There's a miscalculation. If you're here and you've never gone there, this is a terrible miscalculation. Not a, good, not a good place to be. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in the mirror. He, he's just there. It's the reflection of God's word and the Holy Spirit illumination. It's not just a man looking in a mirror. It's, it's, it's introspection. It's evaluation. There's something deeper going on. It says, for he, verse 24, for he himself goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. It means it had no impact. No impact. Verse 25, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, they abide in it, they experience it, and is not a forgetful here or a passive here. Their impact here. This is something they've heard this morning. This is something they've taken note of and it's gonna impact them for the rest of their lives. That's the kind of experience God wants to bring to your life and that is transformation. But a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. You know what that literally means? You're gonna see the results. But practically, what does this mean? Look at verse 26. He gives you a practical application. If anyone among you thinks he's religious, this, Settling for this, okay? Thinks that. Maybe they think they had a holy encounter and their holy encounter was this. I gotta do better. I gotta do better. Well, the Bible says, can we honestly really do better in the eyes of God? No, the Bible says we're dead. Nothing we can do about that situation. We gotta trust in what he's provided for us. But it says, if there's anyone who thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, that means you're just out there and you're professing this, but you're really this. You see? And, and normally what's in there does what? Comes out. He deceives his own heart. And this one's religion is useless. Doesn't matter how much you decorate it. Doesn't matter how, how good, see how shiny that is? I mean, that looks good, doesn't it? It's Brooks Brothers. This, this, this thing costs some money in its day. You get it pretty cheap over at Goodwill, by the way. It's useless. Verse 27, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this. Any holy encounter with God's word is gonna to lead to change. It will be impactful. Is to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep one's self unspotted from the world. Now listen, when you see where he says to visit widows and, uh, and orphans in, in, the, in their trouble, he's just saying that's one sign. That, that's one of many, but there's a practical thing. If you're ignoring all that, which is those things are really close to the heart of God and you just turn, 
there's a good chance you haven't been impacted. And let's really put it on the bottom shelf. If you're not caught up in not wanting to be spotted by the world, but you really want to live in the reality that he's provided for you, if you don't have a motivation to do that, or, you, or you're not bothered when you've chosen this, and, mm, there's a problem. Revelation and inspiration are complete today. Did you know that? We have the word of God. We, we have the interpretation and inspiration. They're complete. However, illumination and application must continue. Our salvation and spiritual growth depends on it. So here's the question. Are you experiencing the word of God? If not, why? Why are you not experiencing God's word? Think of this. If you're not, there is still no victory in your life. There, there, you begin to doubt. You begin to doubt your salvation. You still experience the effects of condemnation. You're still in your guilt and your shame and your fear and bondage and the insecurities that play out in your life. Maybe a long time ago, you made the decision to accept Christ's righteousness. You put your sins on the table and said, you know something? I see this as destructive. I'm turning from that sin. I'm turning to you, God. I surrender my heart to you, whatever you want in my life. At the moment you did that, there should have been a process that kicked in where you began to live out the reality in which he sees your life. And it's that, righteousness. So if you're over here and, and, and you're just letting this play out in your life, there's one or two things going on. Either you're someone who's never really been saved or you're someone who's never really taken serious the commitment that you made to Christ years ago. And the only thing you're doing is trying to suit over it and show up with the rest of those that may be here doing the same thing or show up here with those who have moved and are beginning to live the reality. Now, does this mean that we will be perfect here no, that'll happen when we see him face to face. When none of that's underneath this anymore. There's gonna come that day. You do know that, right? But right now we're in the process of what? Putting off, renewing our mind and putting on what he intended and what he sees in us. That is the goal. We're not gonna finish this morning, but what I'd like for you to do, if you would, just bow your heads, please. We're not gonna have an invitation, but... Here, here's, here's what it comes down to this morning. What are you putting your trust in? There's some of you here this morning, you know the filthiness of what's going on in your life and your heart. You're aware of it. It's there. No one needs to convince you of that. But what are you doing to cover it? Religion? Religious duty? good works it'll fail you every time your only hope is the righteousness of Christ how are you robed in the righteousness of Christ you believe who Jesus says he is and did what he said he did you by faith believe that you trust him you repent and you say, you know something, I've tried it my way, I've gone this way, I've fallen into all these sins and yes, God, I have all these insecurities, I have all these fears, guilt plagues my life, shame plagues my life and, and, and something's gotta happen. I know, well, your only hope is to receive the righteousness of Christ. 
But I have a bigger question even than that. You who are Christians that profess to be Christians this morning, what are you really trusting in? The good works? It'll never meet the standard that God has. Only Christ met the standard that God had. Perfect life. And he offers that to you. And then you become a work in progress. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit begins to set up and do work in you. And the word of God comes along beside. And all of a sudden, there's the putting off, the renewing of the mind and the putting on. And that will always be the best life for you. Not the emptiness of this other religion and sin and living your way. That will always be the best. So here's what I want you to do this morning. Would your heads bowed and your eyes closed? If you're someone here this morning that has never taken on the righteousness of God, you've never received that. Would you has no one looking, would you raise your hand? You've never received that. How about those of you, maybe you thought you did, but <laughs> you're settling for something less. Hmm. I'm gonna ask the ushers to come forward. Father, I just come to you right now and Lord, I don't know what, you intended for us this morning other than the fact you wanted something to be very clear to us. And Father, I just thank you for the righteousness of Christ. I thank you that when I was dead in the trespasses of my sin and, and the world was influencing me, the enemy, the, the, my flesh was having me act out in certain ways that brought guilt and shame to my life and insecurities and fear. I thank you for the provision of Jesus Christ. I thank you for the work that God wants to do in and through my life, the putting off, the renewing of my mind and the putting on. Father, I just pray that would be what we'd see in and through this this morning. And Father, I do thank you for the offering and pray that you'll take it and use it as we continue to make you known to the world that there's a better way apart from this world. We thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. Before Jonathan comes this morning with some announcements, let me just point out.